Since the first year we've been talking about hearing God's voice and uh, how, to, how to filter uh, the difference between our voice, the enemy's voice, and God's voice, the foundational truths we have to know to really be able to know God's voice. This is such an important part of our lives as Christians. We believe in a personal, personal intimate relationship with God for every person. We believe that you should be being led by the Spirit of God. You should be being taught by the Spirit of God. You should be growing in a personal relationship with God. And, and it's not a weird thing. It's not a strange thing. It's a normal thing. And we want to learn and know how to do that and how that works. And so we've spent these weeks talking about if you missed a Sunday, you can go back and uh, get online and listen to it. But we're wrapping the series up this morning and then Wednesday night. But I want to be clear with you today. You will not clearly hear the voice of God in intimate matters. What do I mean by intimate matters? The things you can't look up in the Bible and say, God, what am I supposed to do about this? Do I marry Sally or not? You're not going to look that verse up. But if you know the voice of God in his word, it leads you to places where you know his intimate voice. You can tell what's, what's his intimate voice and what is he really saying to you. And so we have to have this foundation of, what, of how the word of God works in our life. That's what we've been talking about so much. Because, friends, listen, the Bible is the word of God. It's his voice to us. It's his miraculous revealed voice to us so we can know what he wants us to do. So we know who he is. And so we start here and we put ourselves in a place where we can hear the rest. So listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent, this is right after the, the Garden of Eden has been created, mankind, the world's been created by God, and now we go into chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, servant serpent, uh, <clears throat> we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you will not surely die, the serpent says to the woman. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals how this world works, how the enemy works, how you work, how we should live our lives. Now today, let us learn from it and grow in it, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever tried to imagine what it would be like to be in the Garden of Eden? What it was like to be there. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's really almost impossible for us uh, to know what it would be like because we're so inundated and so controlled by a sin nature. Uh, but to understand that there was right communication and right relationship with God in those days. And we don't know how many days there were, whether it was days or years before the temptation took place. Uh, but the garden was a place where the fruit trees bore fruit all the time. 
uh, where the animals were before the curse, not wild. Where the weather, not like today, was in control. Uh, have you ever seen a young child run through the house naked without a care in the world? <laughs> not a care in the world. Not a care in the world. Not, not all the corruption that's come, that comes into our mind. Free, without shame, innocent. Can't, can't imagine uh, how, how that is. The garden was ageless and perfect in any, any way. None of the normal uh, temptations that we would face. You know, the, you're not going to be jealous because who's there to be jealous of? Uh, no, one's, no one to be afraid of or prideful or prejudiced against because they're not there. Nothing to steal. Everything's free. No one to hate. No lust or pornography or worries. None of those things are there. So this is a place where just even the natural temptations that would come our way that happen in our life on an ongoing basis aren't happening to them. They're non-existent. But God has left one. He's left one. And he's told them, this tree, don't touch it. This tree, don't eat it. Leave it alone. It's not for you. Right here is where the voice of God has been clear and told them exactly what he expects of them. And it's right here where the enemy attacks, just as he does today. He comes into their life, he comes into this situation, and the enemy gives us this very same line, did God really say? And when he says it, he usually gives some big exaggeration of it. Did God really say you should never have sex? Well, no, just it's supposed to be inside a marriage. Did God really say this, that, or the other? And no, it's just like it's like this. Well, listen, it won't be as bad as he says. It won't be as bad as he says. This is the same line the enemy uses today. He twists the things of God just a bit to get us to think it's okay to do something that we shouldn't do that gets us completely out of alignment with God. This is why it's so important for us to know God's word. To know the voice of God, you have to settle on the things he's already said. If you're going to know him in intimate ways, you've got to know the things he's clearly said. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. The, the, the things that he's clearly told us not to do, as well as the things he's clearly told us to do. And it's when we get in alignment with those things, the more we align our, our lives with those things, that we put ourselves in a place where we can really know his voice. So today I want to just talk about two or three of these things that, uh, that are, 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 should be settled in us. And yet the enemy whispers something different to us. The first one is this. The voice of God and evangelism. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey 
everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What has God said here? Go to the world. Go to your world. Go to it. What does the enemy whisper in our, in our ear? That's not for you. Uh, that, that's, that's just not your thing. That, that's, that's, a, that's the pastor's thing. That's the evangelist thing. That, that's somebody else's thing, but it's certainly not your thing. And so instead of us saying, you know what? I don't know how to do this well. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn how to do it well. We, we just sit back and say, I can't, I can't do this. And then the enemy was, it's not so bad because somebody else will reach them anyway. Somebody else will reach them, even though God's put you in that place. Somebody else will. But what has Jesus spoken? Jesus has said, go and I will be with you always. So the enemy whispers in our heart, oh, you're an introvert, or you're shy, or you wouldn't know what to say, or you wouldn't know what to do, or you don't want to force anything on anybody. But God has said, go. Jesus has said, I will be with you always as you go. Now, the question comes down is what are we going to listen to? Who are we going to listen to? The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is the first place where we hear God. When we live in obedience to the Bible, in its clear declarations, we put ourselves in a place to hear Him in the intimate places. Am I willing to obey God in the things He's told me to do? Let's go to number two, the voice of God and those in need. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His angels with Him. See, the Son of God's come once in His humility. Do you understand the next time He's coming in His glory, in His power, in His wisdom, in His strength. And all the angels are coming with Him. He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? When when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. 
They also will answer, Lord, when? When do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What is this scripture saying? Is it saying that we work our way into heaven, we have to do things to get into heaven? No. It's describing two different natures. The nature of the sheep is to obey, to have compassion, to have love for others. The nature of the goat is about the goat. And all that's revealed and all that's happening in the actions isn't that we're earning our way into heaven. It's just revealing what we are. This is the sheep. Here's how the sheep act. And here's the goat, and here's how the goat acts. The sheep hear the master's voice and obey, and they follow. <coughs> what does the enemy say? The enemy tries to excuse us away. He wants us to be goats. You're too busy. God understands how busy you are. He understands what's going on in your life. He understands how hectic things are. You're too busy to take somebody in. You're too busy to, to go visit somebody. You're too busy to take a meal to someone. Uh, you don't have enough money to give to that. You don't have enough money to do that. You got a vacation you're saving for. God knows you need a vacation. God knows you need to get out of town for a while. He understands that, that you know, you're going on a vacation and that person without clothes, they do need to find something else. That, that's not your problem. Church should take care of that. Church should take care of that. God understands you don't have time for that. God understands the church will take care of it. But God has spoken. What you do for them you do unto me. Either way, the meal you serve, the visit you make, the clothes you give, the sick person you care for. Jesus says, you've done that unto me. I, I was told of a pastor who recently said, if you're asked about adopting a child, you don't need to pray whether you should or not. Jesus already told you you should. You may have to seek out whether this is your time or not, but the first inclination should be towards doing it, not towards not doing it. You're not seeking an answer whether you should. You're seeking whether there's some reason why you shouldn't. See, when would I say no to something? Uh, some appeal comes on television. They're showing all the hungry children around the world. It's heartbreaking. They want you to give so much money to it every month. Are they doing it in the name of Jesus? What are they doing in the name of? Because see, what we need to do is do it in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to say no to that, and I'm going to go find something that does the very same thing, but does it in the name of Jesus. But when, when would I say, when I'm not really helping, somebody comes and they, they want money, and you know the second you give them money, it's going right into drugs. It's going right into alcohol. You're really hurting them, not helping them. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to give them food. I'll always give somebody food. I'll take them over and buy something at a restaurant. I'll buy them food. Because that, 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 that's helping. I can't tell you how many people come to our church, come, and they'll say, uh, we need some money for this, uh, for food or for whatever. And we'll say, you know what? We got your answer, man. We got a food pantry down here. We will load you. Well, what I really need is I need some cash. 
What are they saying? I really don't need food. I, I want some money to go do something else. And I'm trying to manipulate you to get you to give me money for the sake of food so I can go do something else. Well, I'm going to say no to that. Say, here's all the food you want. Maybe it's not the right timing in your life, and I've got to find the right way to respond. So this is where safe families that Ryan just talked about fit so well for me and Renee. Renee and I, we have six kids of our own, six grandkids now, um, four biological kids, uh, two children that God brought into our homes at different times in our life, just miraculously brought them into our home and have been in our home now for years and years and years as our children. Uh, and and he's, he's, he just brought these kids into us, and we, we just, it's just an amazing thing. But I'm going to tell you, I'm at a place in life where the permanent placement of a young child is not good for me. I'm, you know, I'm looking, I'm saying, in the next seven years, they all need to be gone. They can come over and visit. They can come kind of hang out. We can have dinner together. But at some point in time, they're going to need to go away, and I'm going to need to be at peace in my home. So for me to take a baby into my home and say, I'm going to raise this baby is not fair to me and it's definitely not fair to that baby. Because I'm, I'm not taking them to Six Flags and I'm not going to, 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 you know, to, to all of the birthday parties. I'm not doing all the recitals. I'm not doing that. That's not happening. So that's just not in where I'm at in life. I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the physical ability to do that. I, I, I'll be glad to give them some money so they can go and they can bring me pictures back and show me what it was like. <laughs> That's where I'm at. On. But, listen, I can take a baby for a week. We can take a two-year-old for a month. There's still things we can do. And even if I get past the point of where I could do that, I can be a supporting family. I can take them out to Hope Thrift Center and buy them all kinds of clothes. I can go and get some, get, get some toothpaste and toothbrushes for them. There's other things. I can babysit for maybe an hour. I can give them a ride someplace. There's, there's always someplace inside of the need that I can sit and say at this time in my life, I may not be able to do that, but I can do this. I can't do this. And so it's finding the right place in your life to answer the righteous responsibility that we have before God. Now, listen, it's important to know the difference between a calling and a responsibility. I have a responsibility. We all have responsibilities. We all have a responsibility. You, we talked about one just a minute ago. We all have a responsibility to be a witness. Are you with me? That's a responsibility. That's not something you can sit and say, not my deal. We all have a responsibility to worship. You can't sit and say, I'm, I'm just not a worshiper. It's not my thing. I don't do that. That's for Danny and the worship teams, and we just kind of put up with that. No, I am called, that everything I breath, praise the Lord. It's a responsibility. I have a responsibility to support world missions. Not an option. I'm not, I may not be called to be a missionary to another part of the world, but I'm responsible to do my part. What's my part? Well, maybe I go for a week and work with a missionary. Many of you in this room have done that. 
Maybe I just put them on my prayer list and I pray for them every day. Maybe I make a faith promise and I give some money to send them so they can go. But it's my responsibility to be involved some way. Even if I'm not the one that's supposed to go. We can't all go to every place in the world, but we can send people, we can pray, we can support things. So I understand the difference between my responsibilities and my calling. I can't opt out of my calling, out of my responsibilities. I can discover what my responsibility is inside of every work of the kingdom. So I've got to look and say, what is God saying to me? What's the end result? The end result is heaven, because your nature's been revealed to be that of Christ, or rejection, because your nature's been revealed to be that which rejects the way of Christ. What's your heart saying to you? Now, we could talk about many more places where God has clearly spoken and wants to say to us, uh, do this, and where the enemy wants to say to us, uh, it, it's not that bad. You know, you take something like money. Oh, that's just the pastor after your money. Listen, if you believe I'm just after your money, I've got to ask you, why are you here? You know, why would you come to a place where the pastor's just after your money? The enemy wants us to hear about the giving and miss the part about the blessing. He wants to yell into our ear. That's the Old Testament. And he doesn't want us to hear that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He doesn't want us to hear that Jesus said, Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and unto God that which is God's. He wants us to not hear the voice of God. He wants us to dismiss the voice of God and think, you know, it won't be that bad if we don't obey. Remember, the enemy always wants disobedience to look good. Are you with me? Some of you are really quiet right now. The enemy always wants disobedience to look good. Look how good this fruit looks. Oh, it's good to look at. Probably good to eat. Sexuality. God says, save it for marriage. The enemy goes, you love each other. You care about each other. The two of you are in agreement. God understands that. God understands what you, he, yeah, he understands that you're rejecting his word, his instruction. And the enemy tries to paint something up to be beautiful that's really destructive and that keeps you from the beauty of the rest of the garden and all that God has for you. Talks to us about our words or about honesty or about love one another. And we say, okay, we're supposed to love everybody except the people who treat me this way. And God says, no, love everybody. So remember, it is, in, it is in the obedience to what he has clearly said that we align ourselves to hear what he intimately says. Got to get that right. Are, are you there? Am I boring you today? Some of you are looking at me like, Okay, can I give you one more before we go home? The voice of God in salvation. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. 
for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus cuts to the chase. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he will not enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit, small s, the Spirit of man. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And the enemy comes and whispers in the ear of mankind, there are many ways to heaven. All these other ways are just different ways of getting there. Did God really say you, have, you must be born again? You went through catechism. You're okay. You've been confirmed. You're okay. You, you got baptized once. You're okay. You haven't hurt anybody. You're, you're, you're better than the guy next door, definitely. Better than that guy. On the sliding scale, friend, you're in. Hitler's way down here. You're way up here. You've made the cut. Is that, but is that what Jesus said? You must be born again. Goes on and it says, the enemy wants to say, it won't be that bad. Everybody, everybody gets to go to heaven. You know, everybody gets to go to the be a better place. We like to say a better place. And so you go out with the most, uh, you know, godless person you ever want to meet. You go out and stand at the graveyard and they go, they're all in a better place. I hope they are. I don't believe they are. Because you must be born again. The ones who are born again are in a better place. The ones who counted on anything else counted on something false. The ones who didn't pay attention to it missed it. You must be born again. Everybody, everybody gets into heaven. Everybody gets to go to a better place. That's the enemy saying, it's not that bad. God didn't really say. And yet God's word clearly says, you must be born again. A little bit later in chapter 3 of John, it says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So the question is, what does belief mean? Belief means that I look at Jesus, and I decide, and I come to this understanding by the leaning of the Spirit, He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And I am going to put my faith in him to be my Savior, and I'm going to bow my knee to him to be my Lord. We all know this scripture where the, where the Word of God says that the day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, the most staunch atheist that's ever walked on this earth is going to someday walk into the throne room of God look and see Jesus, his knees are going to buckle, and he's going to say, that's the Lord. He is the Lord. But take note, take note of what it doesn't say. He doesn't say, 
He's my Savior. Because, see, you don't get to go there and declare him a Savior. If he's going to be Savior, you've got to bow your knee to him now. You've got to put your belief in him now to be your Savior and to trust him to be your Lord. Those go hand in hand now. Now, the enemy's going to tell you all kinds of other different things. He's going to use the pundits of this world. He's going to use the popular of this world. He's going to take people whose voices were created to sing to the glory of God, who are now singing to the glory of man and the glory of pleasure and the glory of this culture and have missed what they were created to be. And they're going to give each other Grammys and talk about how great they are and how there's many ways to heaven. We're all going to be in a better place. And all the former singers, they're all up in the heavenly choir. They're all running around on the, you know, in heaven. And, and, and they were all about themselves. They were goats the whole time they were on the earth. And we're foolish enough to celebrate them sometimes. Should be praying for them. Their voices were made for the glory of God. And it's going to the glory of man. And all those voices are going to come out because they want to be assured. And they're going to tell you, you're okay. They're okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Because the enemy's whispering in their ear, that fruit doesn't look too bad, does it? It's not going to be that bad, is it? Jesus has said, you must be born again. That makes it pretty clear. Have you been born again? Have you come? See, just like you were physically born. I go through this room and everyone could tell me, everyone in this room could tell me your birthday. You were physically born on this earth. And just like you have a physical birth in heaven, your spiritual birthday is recorded. You may not remember it exactly. God remembers it the day and the moment that you crossed from darkness into light or whether you did or not. And maybe for some of you in this room, that day's supposed to be the day. Right now, right here. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, I just pray for your spirit to control this room. Let, let, Father, I just pray that, that I would not have come across in any ways angry or frustrated, because I'm not, Lord. I'm, I'm concerned for my brothers and my sisters that we obey your word, that we get your word in our hearts so that we can be the, the men and women you've created us to be, and we can walk in the fullness of your spirit. So, Lord, if I've come across in a wrong way to anyone, I pray that, Father, you'd, you'd soothe that today. But, Lord, in, in every right spirit, I pray for men and women in this room who've not crossed from death into life, who've not said, all right, I get it. Jesus is the Son of God, and I'm going to accept him as my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to follow him the rest of the days of my life with gratefulness for eternal life that is now mine and hope that he'll guide my life into right things here. Lord, there are some that need to do that this morning, as some did that in first service today. Now, move on our lives right here in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just say, Pastor, today, I, I want to step from death into life. I, I want to follow the Word of God. I want to be born again today, right here, before I leave this place. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, 
pray for me this morning in Jesus' name. Looking across this place, just raise your hand and say, pray for me in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray you'd stir in every one of our hearts your truth and your will. Lord, you know the condition of every soul in this room. And if, Father, if every one of us are born again and saved, then we rejoice in that. But, Lord, put a passion in our heart for those who aren't. And, Father, if there's someone here who isn't saved before they leave this place, I pray they'd ask you, your son into their life as their Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. I want you to know I love you. I want the best for you. Praying for the best for you. God loves you. He wants the best for you, which is more important than me loving you. But love God, serve God, seek his word, and obey him, and you'll find the intimate voice of God speaking to you. Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you, grace and peace.